This is Parental Segregation. I'm your host, Miles Milner. We're streaming from Wyzetta, Minnesota. So let's just get into it. This is Roger B, and he will be sharing his story of parental separation. Hi, my story is about the death of my parents, one in 96, one in 2016. So the separation is uh, organic. It's of, of nature. So how do you deal with that separation? How do you deal with loss? How do you deal with change? How do you deal with change? And the way I dealt with it is this. I have a really simple theology slash philosophy. If you look at nature and you observe nature, nothing dies in nature. Things just transition, transform. Example, a tree falls in the forest and I go, oh, that's my favorite tree. I walk by it every day on my walk. And I come back in six months and the trunk is split open and I look in the trunk, and there's moss, there's flowers, there's bugs. Did the tree die, or did the tree change forms? And as my parents passed, I've helped a number of people die, and as my parents passed, I realized they were just moving on. Native Americans have an expression when someone dies, they say, he walked on. And my parents just transitioned to the next dimension after life. I don't know what that is, but that's my belief. And so is there loss? There's physical loss. My parents are physically gone, but they're not gone in my memory. They're not gone in my emotions. They're not gone in my mind. So that's how I deal with my parental separation. My God, Miles, how do I start this? Uh... All right. So, when I was eight, fighting in my house was ev basically every day. Like either when my dad came home or when I was supposed to be a asleep, it was fighting between my mom and my dad, usually verbally. Um, in my house, that was all there was. After years of this behavior, my parents decided to divorce. My mom was broken. She cried, and she was incredibly mad at my father. My dad talked bad about himself, and I think he was suicidal from what he was telling me at the time and what he was telling me later, how he considered like hurting himself. But my mom experienced uh, like an incompetent husband who spent more time on video games than his father, and she got tired of it. Those are her words. My father dealt with a woman who couldn't understand people, and when she was wrong, she yelled at him. But during the first few weeks of the separation, my mom talked really badly about my father. Um, but I didn't talk to my dad because I didn't talk to him for about a month afterwards. But I never stopped wanting. Never mind, I don't know where I'm going with that, but... But during the, through the first few weeks of the separation, my mom talked about how bad my father was, but never stopped wanting to help me. 
um, in the end, my in the end, me and my sister, who were pretty much broken after the divorce, she couldn't really help us, especially because she had to take up um, more work. I don't I don't really know much about my father. I didn't speak to him for like another month after the divorce. But I mean, during the aftermath, there was a lot of tension. My mom was really quick-tempered, and when I did see my dad, he was really distant, played more games, didn't really talk to us. Uh, my father put on like a lot of weight, and my mother was incredibly quick to anger. I put on 40 pounds because of the stress. Uh, I felt defeated because this is the start of my family falling apart. I felt completely useless, like there wasn't anything I could do to help the situation. Um, I feel like my father recovered faster because my father, because of the divorce, stopped financially supporting my mother, which caused my mother to um, work a lot more. She stopped spending time with us, us meaning me and my sister, and um, I grew much more distant from her because um, she was too busy. My dad didn't speak to us very much. It's because he didn't get custody. My father was really upset about not getting custody over me and my sister, which was incredibly hard for him. I remember him crying to me a lot, saying how he was upset that he couldn't get custody. Um, I mean, a year after the divorce, my mom and dad still pretty much hated each other. The only time they ever came together and actually talked was for me and my sister. My mom was really upset with how much she was working, and she didn't have anyone else to support her. And me and my sister were too young to do anything. So she took it horribly. She isolated herself. But she did get better because she went to therapy for yelling verbal stuff and still to this day she feels incredibly horrible about it sometimes she asks me marcus am i a bad mom did i verbally abuse you i mean she was torn from that and she regrets a lot of the things that she said during those times but my father talked horribly about my mother and um he wanted to get me and my sister i th um, as much as he could I think the biggest behavior change was he tried um, buying me and my sister, like bought me gifts, and he didn't understand how hard it was to buy gifts. He didn't understand um, a lot of things. My dad was incredibly lazy during this time, and um, he didn't do anything to help me or my sister because he couldn't look at us. He didn't financially support my mom, he didn't financially help me and my sister out with bills, he separated himself from everyone. So after the divorce, my mom was in quick anger and my dad was incredibly distant. Myself, I was really depressed, I think is the best way to put it. Um, there were many times where I wanted to give up on life. There were many times I just didn't want to continue because I was living in a, a hell which nothing could make it better. But over time, my feelings did get better, and I felt better. Um, 
to this day, my mom and dad's relationship isn't good, but at least they're trying now to get me and my sister to talk more and them to talk more and to be better friends, but other than that, nothing else has really changed with them. Uh, if you need specific times on thing on uh, like times that they were incredibly mad at each other or pissed off i can remember it was june 28th it was june 28th uh 2015 i can remember an incredibly horrible argument where my dad it was the day of the divorce actually like when my dad left he yelled at my mom and said that he used to be suicidal he used to hate how she he yelled at her. He, she yelled at him. Sorry. But. I mean. The parental separation. The divorce only made arguments worse. For a short period of time. It led my sister to spiral down into depression. And a road of mental health. It spiraled me down. Obese, obesity. Weight gain. And incredible horrible thoughts about myself. It put my mom down a line of debt that I don't know if she'll recover from and it put my dad down a line of um, mental health talking bad about himself that I don't even know if he could fix there are a lot of horrible things that he said that I'm quite frankly I'm not comfortable with sharing on a podcast that will be released to people This is Gareth Gallagher from the UK. He will be sharing his story of parental separation. Thanks, Miles, and a pleasure to talk on your podcast. Um, I was separated from my mother at the age of 26 when she died very suddenly. And for me, that was very painful and still is very painful, actually. The pain never goes away. You just find different methods of coping with it. But I'd, only later on in life have I realised the impact that that had on me and what that, how that transpired into my life in you know, different ways of, of how I responded to situations and um, things that it flared up in me emotionally. And I think with you know, being separated from, from parenting... You know, I lost that connection in my life. And as a consequence, my father had to step up and play the male and the female role. And when I was, when we were in that position of grieving and being, um, you know, somewhat emotionally um, tortured by what had happened, you know, when your father then suddenly starts playing the role of the mother and the father, it kind of throws a whole kind of family model out of balance. And so... I think it took me a long time to kind of accept my father also in a new in a new light as well as then kind of like you know understanding that my mother was no longer here but truth be known i think that my mother is probably more around me now than she's ever been in spirit um and i'm really grateful for the time that she was here and had on earth you know and i and i I don't consider my mum gone. I consider my mum as, as she's moved on. Um, but for me, that's taken 
16 years of like getting to the root of why that's been so painful for me to let it go. And even though I've learned now ways and coping mechanisms, you know, but only a situation came up yesterday where I, I, somebody said something in a, in a room that I was in and it made me cry because my mother was not there, you know? And so it still can catch you off guard. And as a consequence to that, you know, I have learned to open myself up um, to others, particularly females. I've had real issues with females in my life, you know, because I, I went through a lot of anger with like losing my mom and resent. I was so resentful that she left this earth. Although now I understand that it was never her choice, but it, you know, when you don't have any ways of coping with that and being British, like um, and I'm very um, established in a British family, you know, we sweep everything under the carpet, you know, like you, you don't air, you don't put your dirty laundry, laundry in public. And we didn't do that. So I didn't go to therapy for my mum's death. Instead, I used other mechanisms to, you know, to try and cope with it and to try and deal with the pain. Um, which were unhealthy and only damaged my own soul. But I had a lot of anger, a lot of anger. And as a consequence of that, I didn't trust any woman, any woman. And I'd let them get so far. And when I felt they were trying to, when I felt that there was a boundary being crossed, I'd shut them down and not just shut. I don't just prune the tree. I like cut the whole trump. <laughs> out you go, out my life. And I still have that today. I'm, but I'm very aware of my issues with women <coughs> and how that stemmed from losing a mother and having to, you know, kind of come to terms with that at a very early age. I was 26 years old. And that for me was, I was very emotionally immature still, you know, and I was fighting against my emotions versus what I should do. And being around women, <clears throat> you know, I was like, you know, I couldn't let them in because I would then have that kind of lack of trust, lack of feeling and want to, you know, I was not sure about how they were going to be with me. So like losing a parent, I think is something very, very significant. And I hope that nobody goes through it as early as I did. And But, it, you know, there's people with worse stories than, than mine. But it was like, my mum was like my best friend. She was. And actually seeing you and your mother reminds me of me, you know. But I was one of four, so I had a lot of jealousy as well around my siblings, a lot of jealousy, you know, and my other brother was like the golden child, my brother, Neil, and he, you know, could do, I, he could do no wrong in my mother's eyes. And so I've had to work through a lot of these things that have come up as a consequence of losing her. But I do generally, when I say that I have a, have a, the more significant relationship with my mother now, even though she's in spirit, I do, you know, because I think there's a balance, there's a trust, there's, there's everything that I probably didn't get when I was growing up, you know, and we all went to boarding school at a very early age. And I was very resentful at my parents for that. Because not only do you lose a mother at a very young age, you're then you spend most of your childhood in in a boarding school. You know, you feel like I felt like I really didn't know my mother you know? And so when she died and died very suddenly, 
I can only equate to that to be like losing somebody in a car crash, you know? And then my father's way of coping with that was, you know, going away, going on holiday, like three weeks after she died, or after, you know, all of the things were gone. You know, the, the, we'd done the memorial service, we'd done all of these things. And she, you know, he then went off um, to Asia and then came back and was like, meet my new wife. He'd got married whilst he was away. You know, that was his coping mechanisms of the loss, I, I believe, even though he won't tell you. But so it, it was a lot to cope with, you know, it was a lot to cope with. You know, your father remarrying, you know, and I was brutal to her. I was absolutely brutal. You know, as were my siblings, because we were putting grief on top of anger. You know, it, it, it doesn't bode for a healthy situation. It's toxicity at its best. And my father in complete denial. Um, but she's worked out to be one of the biggest gifts that ever came into our lives, you know. And as a consequence, my father, even though she's, you know, she's as young as me, um, so that's still, maybe there's a little bit of a resentment there, um, you know, but she can never replace my mother, but she's been a mother to me, you know, and there's a difference, right? There's a difference between somebody who gives birth to you and in my eyes, and they speak for me, who gives birth to you and loves you and nurtures you and supports you and, you know, and then has has to leave as opposed to somebody that is put here um you know in a, in a, and something that is so beautiful and plays that role and does it so well and it just reminds me of how flexible we need to remain in life you know because you know and be open open to other situations other people because you know we never know what's around the corner we never know you know, and that's a big part of having to learn and to love unconditionally, as we've been learning over the last few days in this beautiful retreat we've been on with Mr. B and Mrs. B, who's been there. Uh, and so, you know, life is about remaining teachable, you know, and that situation taught me so much. But what taught me even more was the aftermath, you know, the unpacking of all of how I felt around it and what came to light. And the more I've done that, the more I've been able to really become more peaceful around my mum and her death, you know, but it's not been easy. And uh, I still cry for my mum, I think for her every day. And when I cry, it's, it's tears of like, it is still tears of sadness. But, you know, when I do think about my mum, like I'm doing now, like I feel love, I feel joy, I feel peaceful, you know. But sometimes that never comes. Some Sometimes that comes, you know, out of going through something myself. And I'll often think, what would my mum do in this situation? You know, and see what happens there. Anyway, I hope this has helped you. It does. Thank, Thank you, you so much for asking me. No problem. Thank you. <laughs> we just we won't come. Thank you for listening to Parental Segregation. I'm your host, Miles Miller, and have a good night.
Jeshu Tasha Wo 